The Bible tells us, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. It says to receive with meekness the implanted Word, which is able to save your souls, and to be diligent to present yourself approved to God, rightly dividing the Word of Truth. Join us now for the 3ABN Sabbath School panel. Our study today is the Book of Daniel. Hello and welcome to 3ABN Sabbath School panel. I'm Jill Morricone and we're so glad that you have taken time from your day to join us for our study of the Word of God. We are on our first lesson of the brand new quarter here of 2020. This is studying the book of Daniel. And I think Daniel is one of my favorite Old Testament heroes, mm -hmm. men of God, prophets in the Old Testament. And I am excited what God has for us in this study. But first, we're going to introduce to you our panel. We're going to be studying together for the next 13 weeks. To my left, Pastor John Lomacain, my pastor. Always a privilege to have you here. Good to be here. And as you said, Daniel is going to be an exciting journey. Uh, it's like revisiting an old friend. Absolutely. To your left, Pastor Ryan Day, and a privilege to study with you as well. Amen. It's good to be here as always. Amen. To your left, Sister Shelley Quinn, and thank you for opening up the Word of God with us. Oh, I, I enjoy this so much because I learn something from my personal studies, but I always learn from each one of you as Amen. well. Amen. And then Pastor Kenny Shelton, always a joy to study with you. Oh, it's, it's such a treat to be able to study the Word of God, not only with the panel, but with those who are watching and those who are listening. Amen. Before we go any further and open up the Word of God, we want to go to the Lord in prayer. And Pastor John, would you pray for us? Sure. Loving Father in heaven, we thank you for this opportunity. It's always a privilege when you open the door and you invite us to walk through. We know that Daniel, although familiar, still there are many messages that we are yet to learn of. Mm. And we pray that your spirit will be our guide. Empower this lesson, fill our minds, but may all the glory go to you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Yeah. Thank you so much, Pastor John. I want to encourage you. We are starting a new quarter, so make sure you get your own copy of the quarterly. You can study along with us. That would be the following website, absg.adventist.org. That stands for Adult Bible Study Guide.adventist.org. Or we always encourage you to visit your local Seventh day Adventist church. Ask them for a quarterly and you can join a local Bible study group. So we're studying this quarter the book of Daniel. Lesson number one is from reading to understanding. This particular quarter, uh, quarterly, was written by Dr. Elias Brazil de Sosa. He is the director of the Biblical Research Institute at the General Conference there for the Seventh-day Adventist Church, and he's done an incredible job this quarter. When you look at the Old Testament, the prophets were kind of divided into two groups, right? We have the major prophets and the minor prophets. Major prophets being Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel, and Daniel. And then of course the 12 minor prophets. The major prophets are much longer books. Most of them are much longer books. And they cover a broader scope, as it were, a broader focus than some of those minor prophets. Now of course the book of Daniel is one of my favorite heroes in the Word of God. He was a man of integrity. Even his enemies could find no fault with him. He was a prophet. 
He was a governmental servant. He was a faithful historian of God's dealings with him. I think Daniel contains some of the most comprehensive and sweeping revelations recorded by any prophet mm -hmm. in the Old Testament. And they say, with the exception of Moses and maybe Solomon, that Daniel was one of the most educated men who wrote in the Old Testament. Now, the book of Daniel, we believe, was written by the prophet Daniel. We know there's some controversy and some different streams of thought out there about that. But we believe that he wrote of events taking place during his lifetime and looking down all the way the stream of time to the second coming of Christ when he would set up his eternal kingdom. We know Daniel was taken captive in 605 BC by the Babylonians and as a young man brought into Babylon to serve. If you think about themes from the book of Daniel, mm -hmm. there's many themes, but I'm just going to highlight three before we jump into Sunday's lesson. The first theme of the book of Daniel, from my perspective, is that God is sovereign mm -hmm. and Amen. he rules over the affairs mm -hmm. of men. Mm -hmm. That's right. He's still sovereign even when it seems like his people are being oppressed taken into captivity, thrown in the lion's den, God is still sovereign and he delivers those who are loyal to him. You know, the name Daniel means God is my judge. God is still sovereign over the affairs of men. The second theme I see is that God sees the future. Right. There's a great yeah. deal of prophecy in the book of Daniel, apocalyptic prophecies, revelatory, revelatory prophecies, future foretelling the Messiah and his ministry and death, foretelling the work of the heavenly sanctuary. The prophetic outline of Daniel spans centuries. And we also see the third theme is that God reveals his love. It's not just that God is sovereign over everything, but God is intimately concerned with the details that concern you and I. Yeah. We know Daniel and Revelation are almost sister books, you could say. They correlate with each other a great deal. In fact, the book of Daniel, I would say the Seventh-day Adventist Church was founded from the pages of the book of Daniel, hmm. especially Daniel 8, 14. Mm -hmm. Unto 2,300 days, then shall the sanctuary be cleansed. If you look at Daniel and Revelation, you see prophecies, you see symbols and meaning. You see that repeat and enlarge principle that we're going to see where every future prophecy kind of repeats and enlarges the previous one. We see discussion of Babylon, present day and end time Babylon, discussion of the little horn and the Antichrist. But beyond all of that, we see the Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah, that's right. You know, John 5, 39, Jesus says, search the scriptures for in them ye think you have eternal life and they are they which testify of me. Yeah. Now, we know then that everything in the word of God testifies of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's right. We often think, well, the gospels surely testify of Jesus, right? Mm -hmm. um, maybe Paul's writings, maybe Isaiah. There's a lot of messianic prophecies. But what about Daniel? Can we see Jesus in every chapter of the book of Daniel? Yeah. We're going to do that quickly just now. Daniel chapter 1, of course, is the captivity of Daniel and his three friends. And then the big test pertaining to food mm -hmm. and whether they're going to worship the king's food and the food that had been offered to idols. Yes. 
I see a comparison, first of all, in Daniel 1 between Daniel and Christ. We see Daniel taken from his homeland, leaving Judah and Jerusalem, a long, harsh journey, taken to be a slave in a foreign land. I see Christ leaving heaven, mm -hmm. leaving holiness mm -hmm. and adoration of angels, coming to live in a sinful world to confront the powers of evil. Mm -hmm. We see Christ enabling Daniel and his friends to stand for principle. They didn't stand, you know, Daniel 1.8, Daniel purposed in his heart, right? That right. he would not defile himself with a portion of the king's meat. He didn't stand on his own strength. We know all our righteousness is filthy rags, mm. but we can do all things through Christ mm. who strengthens mm. us, Philippians 4.13. Right. So he stood in the strength of Christ. Mm -hmm. Daniel chapter 2, we see Nebuchadnezzar had this dream of this image Daniel 2 begins with Daniel's time, the head of gold Babylon, and it carries all the way down to when Christ will come mm -hmm. and set up a kingdom that will never end. Daniel 2 tells us that Christ reveals the future, that Christ answers prayer, yes. that Christ will judge the nations of the world, right. that Christ is going to set up an eternal kingdom. Daniel 3 is Daniel's friends thrown into the fiery furnace, mm. but they were not alone because Christ showed up yeah. in the furnace yeah. with them. That's right. We learn that Christ overturns events for his glory. Christ cares for his people. Yeah. He delivers his people. He vindicates his people. Right. He vindicates his name and reveals who is God. And he strengthens his servants to endure trial. He doesn't always deliver us from the fire, mm. but he always delivers us through Thank the fire. That's right. Daniel 4, this is Nebuchadnezzar's humbling and how he became like an animal for mm. those seven years. We see that Christ is still sovereign over the affairs of men, that Christ removed Nebuchadnezzar from office so the king could understand that mm. heaven rules. Mm. We see that Christ calls upon us to repent. Remember, Daniel made that impassioned appeal to the king. Please, O king, break off your sins. And then the king refused. We see that Christ executes judgment. Mm -hmm. We learn that we can trust him with our lives and with our government and with our church and our families and our work. Mm -hmm. We learn that Christ judges redemptively, never vindictive, always redemptively. Mm -hmm. Daniel 5 is the overthrow of the Babylonian empire when the Medes and Persians captured Babylon that night that Belshazzar the king was killed. We see the fall of literal Babylon and the fall of end time Babylon. Literal Babylon fell to the Persians in one night of revelry and debauchery. End time Babylon will fall to Christ and his angels because End time Babylon worships Satan and the mm. beast and his image. Daniel 6, we see Daniel in the lion's den. And we see the false accusations made against Daniel by the scheming governors and satraps. Mm -hmm. We see that there's false accusations made against Christ by scheming priests and scribes. We see King Darius trying to save Daniel, but being unsuccessful. We see Pilate making some attempt to save Christ, but being in unsuccessful. And we learn in Daniel 6 that our lives are in the hand of Christ, mm -hmm. That's right. not men that Christ will deliver us, that he vindicates his name, that he destroys his enemies, and that prayer changes things. Yes. Daniel 7, Daniel has a vision of the beasts and the kingdoms that will be to come. This is an expansion of Daniel chapter 2. 
with the image. We learn in Daniel 7 that God will judge his people. There's the whole judgment scene. And we also learn that judgment is in favor of the saints. That's right. my favorite part yeah. about Daniel chapter 7, that judgment is made in favor of the saints of the Most High. Daniel chapter 8, we see another expanding, another vision of Daniel chapter 7. This one begins with the Medo-Persian Empire instead of with Babylon. It contains these prophecies again, but Daniel 8, the focus now is Christ in the heavenly sanctuary. It corresponds to the judgment scene in Daniel chapter 7, but we see that God is the judge of the wicked and his people. Mm. Daniel 9 is Daniel's prayer of confession and intercession and really answers to his questions about the vision in Daniel chapter 8. In Daniel 9, we see Christ as the sacrificial lamb, the Messiah. He's the sacrificial lamb who, whose death reconfirms the covenant. That's right. We see that Christ hears our prayers and brings answers and deliverance. Daniel 10 through 12, we'll lump them together, is really the final vision that Daniel has here in the book of Daniel. In those chapters, we learn that Christ is our commander in chief. He is Michael the archangel. He fights against the forces of evil and comes off conqueror, rescuing God's people and bringing them home with him. Amen. So really in Dan the book of Daniel, I learned that Christ fights for his people. Praise Aren't God. you grateful for that? That's right. I learned that Christ is always victorious against Satan mm -hmm. and his yes. cohorts. Amen. I learned that Christ will come again yeah. and he right. delivers us as his people. Pastor John, you have structure of revelation. Wow, I tell you. Can we all take a breath on that one? <laughs> yeah. That was cool. How did you cover so much in such a short period of time? Wow. Amen. Always. It's like, uh, I think Ryan just said, it's like drinking from a what a, from a fire hydrant. A fire hydrant. <laughs> Thank you. You know, Revel uh, Daniel is a, an amazing book, but we can't get into any book of prophecy without understanding the structure. Mm. But when we understand the structure, it's like building a house. We never get ahead of ourselves. Mm -hmm. uh, you can't put a roof on without a foundation. Yeah. And it doesn't make sense to concentrate on the color of the paint before the walls go up. Mm. Daniel is that way. It has a structure. In some cases, it's referred to as a chiastic structure. Mm -hmm. A high point in the book, it builds up to a particular point, then comes down on the other side. We know that Daniel is not a book with Greek, but it has Aramaic and Hebrew. Yes. And when you understand where that comes in, Hebrew, uh, most of the book is Hebrews, but Daniel 2 to 7 is uh, written in Aramaic. So we could understand how it fits into the picture of those nations that it often refers to why that language? Because it's often referring to the nations that are best suited in that particular mm. picture. Then there are different types of prophecies, and this is something important because many people say, and this is one of the things we have to guard against, there is no prophecy with a dual fulfillment. I want to say oh, that's that. that's good. Mm -hmm. Dual application. Yes. but no dual fulfillment. Right. Right. Now, you might say, well, I could see Daniel 7 in its actual un uh, unfolding characteristic, but I could also see it in another aspect. Let me give you an example. I'll use Revelation here. We have seven churches in Revelation that cover seven different time periods, mm -hmm. but then in the last days, we could see all seven of those conditions existing in different churches, in different mm -hmm. countries, in different mm -hmm. settings. That's right. From the one that's, you know, completely allegiant to the Lord, to the one that is filled with brotherly love all the way down to the one that is just lukewarm. Mm -hmm. So the four types of prophecies that are majorly focused in the book of Daniel, 
First is local prophecies. What kind did I say? Local. local. The local prophecies. Particularly, the local prophecies will be those that pertain in specifics to Nebuchadnezzar. Mm -hmm. They don't pertain to Belshazzar. They don't pertain to any other king outside of that. And when that prophecy is fulfilled, it's fulfilled. Mm -hmm. Uh, the humbling of Nebuchadnezzar is a perfect example of that. Nebuchadnezzar comes on the scene from chapter 1, and in chapter 4 he passes off the scene. Mm -hmm. But his kingdom is mentioned again, in, uh, obviously in Daniel 2, all four of the kingdoms are mentioned. Mm -hmm. And then when Daniel has a dream later on, mm -hmm. then he's mentioned again in the four beasts of Daniel chapter 7. But Nebuchadnezzar, as he reigns and his reign comes to an end, those prophecies are what we consider local prophecies. You find also in the prophecy of uh, the city of Nineveh. Well, Nineveh, just the four books of, of Jonah. Four local chapters of Jonah. The four chapters of Jonah, thank you. Those prophecies happened. But then you could find application to that in saying, well, if there's a city that's filled with um, iniquity, mm -hmm. then God will send a prophet to preach to that city, and if they repent, mm -hmm. praise the Lord. Mm -hmm. But that's not a dual fulfillment. Mm -hmm. You also find Judaic prophecies. Obviously, the book begins with the Judaic prophecy because Judah is taken into captivity from Jerusalem into Babylon. But while Daniel is there, you'll find throughout the book of Daniel, many of the things that are talked about while Daniel is still alive pertains to Judah. Mm. Uh, when he asked the question, um, how long is it going to be before we return? Uh, how long is it going to be before we get back to our city? And then the Lord gives him the 70-week prophecy. Yes. Mm. Uh, 70 weeks are determined for you and for your people and right. for your city. Mm -hmm. That's a Judaic prophecy. And then as Jill pointed out, there are Messianic prophecies, mm -hmm. which means obviously the word Messianic is Christ. Mm -hmm. Once again, he appears in the book of Daniel. In each of the chapters, you can find a component of Christ in every story in the book of Daniel. From Christ in the very first chapter, where he is there with his people, he may have allowed them, let me rephrase that, he allowed them to be corrected in yes. Babylon. Yes. But when Babylon was done with its correction, God stood up and corrected Babylon. Mm -hmm. So he never really <laughs> forsook his people. He used them as a correcting stick, but he did not choose them above his people. Then you find in the very end of the chapter, Christ stands up again when Michael stands up. So he's all through the book, as Joel made very clear. Yeah. So they are Judaic prophecies that particularly refer to Judah, Israel. Mm -hmm. Those prophecies, uh, the Lord, many of the books of the Old Testament have them. And Daniel, as I point out these four types of prophecies, all four are found in the book of Daniel. Mm -hmm. Then you have the apocalyptic prophecies. Apocalyptic, you find when Daniel is told to seal up the vision, for it is yet for the time of the end. At the time of the end, it will speak. This apocalyptic unfolding, uh, showing a revelation. Another word for apocalypse is a revelation. Mm -hmm. And so, as Joel pointed out, uh, you did an excellent job, by the way. Praise mm -hmm. the Lord. As Joel pointed out, there's a particular point where we can find the, the, the growing of the Advent movement, mm -hmm. but the messages of the Advent, Advent movement didn't just come into being mm -hmm. through the Advent church. They are a part of the everlasting gospel, mm. which is in fact f focusing on Christ. He has always been the method and means by which we are saved. So once again, local, Judaic, mm -hmm. Messianic, and apocalyptic. apocalyptic. Mm. And then you find the structure of Daniel. And it may seem to some degree uh, that we are repeating the same things, but let's go to Isaiah 46. Mm. I want you to see why this is so important, because the repeat and enlarge are there. 
But the encouraging aspect of Daniel and any prophetic book in the Bible or anything in the Bible is that at no point does God ever lose control mm. and say, mm. what do Amen. I do next? Right. Amen. Look at Isaiah 46, verse 9 and 10. And the Bible says, remember yes. the former things of old, for I am God and there is no other. That's right. yeah. I am God and there is none like me. Declaring the end from the beginning. And from ancient times, the times of Daniel, mm -hmm. the times of Isaiah, Jeremiah, things that are not yet done. So, and he says, my counsel shall stand. He's saying that. Amen. And I will do all my pleasure. Meaning when God sets the picture in motion, it's like an artist. Uh, I, I know a guy, I know that uh, painted a picture of me and I thought to myself, well, how did he begin? And he says, well, I look at the entire structure of a person and then I take it component by component. Mm. He starts with circles and I have a picture on one of my uh, posts where he shows the circles and everything is in circles mm. and I can't see it mm. but then he can because yeah. he sees where it's headed. Mm. In prophecies the very same way we don't often see where it's headed right. but God does yeah. as right. he's giving it. It's unfolding Amen. and he says my counsel it's all always his counsel and another thing about prophecy is uh, we could see that Daniel is concealing prophecies that are later revealed. Mm. When those prophecies are revealed, we can go back to Daniel and see the confirmation. And as was pointed out, many people think that Daniel wrote many of these prophecies uh, later on after they were fulfilled, but that's chronologically impossible because Daniel would have lived a long time. Mm. And <laughs> Daniel right. did not live for 490 years. No. Just to make, he didn't live for 2,300 years either. That's right. So these prophecies could not possibly have been written after his time. Right. So you find Nebuchadnezzar's vision of the four kingdoms. The structure covers four major kingdoms. Mm -hmm. Daniel 2 and Daniel 7 are partners in that. Yes. Nebuchadnezzar is given a vision or a dream and Daniel is given a vision and they repeat and enlarge. One is given the four kingdoms of the world in metals. You'll find this is very important. Gold, and we're going to point this out in specifics later on, but Babylon gold, Medo-Persia silver, a Greece bronze and Rome iron and iron and clay and then the toes with iron and clay mixed in. Rome still present in the latter part of the unfolding of that Bible prophecy. But then you find this golden kingdom is now paralleled with the lion. Mm -hmm. Then you find the silver kingdom is paralleled with the bear. Yes. You find the bronze kingdom is parallel with the leopard with four heads and four wings. And as I said, we We'll cover that in specifics. And this is an exciting study. I'm looking forward to it. And then you find the Iron Kingdom paralleled, uh, coupled with the beast with iron teeth. Mm. And so Daniel and Nebuchadnezzar are under the guidance or the counsel of the same God. Mm. My counsel was revealed to Nebuchadnezzar. My counsel was again revealed to Daniel. My counsel will stand. Amen. Then you find God delivers his companions mm -hmm. uh, from the fiery furnace, which was pointed out. You find the judgment upon Nebuchadnezzar in the structure of Daniel 4. You find the judgment upon Belshazzar yes. in Daniel chapter right. 5. Mm -hmm. You find that God delivers from the den of lions, Daniel chapter 6. Then once again reiterating Daniel's vision of the four kingdoms in Daniel chapter 7. You'll find that God removes the kingdom from Nebuchadnezzar temporarily, but God removes the kingdom from Belshazzar 
permanently. Mm. You also find that the book, is, a book of Daniel is a repetitive book, but it also enlarges. And the structure of Daniel is a confirmation of the sovereignty of God. Right. Yes. Mm -hmm. So hold on, we're about to dive into a book that you may know, but there's always something new that we can learn. That's right. Amen. Amen. Thank yep. you so much, yes. Pastor John. I'm excited about this study and yes. what God has for us. We're going to take a short break. Mm -hmm. We'll be right back. Ever wish you could watch a 3ABN Sabbath School panel again? Or share it on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter? Well, you can by visiting 3ABNSabbathSchoolPanel.com. A clean design makes it easy to find the program you're looking for. There are also links to the Adult Bible Study Guide so you can follow along. Sharing is easy. Just click share and choose your favorite social media. Share a link. Save a life for eternity. Welcome back to our study of the book of Daniel. We'll continue with Tuesday's lesson. Pastor Ryan Day has Tuesday. Amen. Praise the Lord. I'm excited about this lesson, Tuesday's lesson, which is entitled Apocalyptic Prophecies in Daniel. Yeah. As I was reading through and studying this lesson, I could somewhat relate to the importance of this lesson uh, because of a little bit of my background. I haven't always been a Seventh-day Adventist Christian mm -hmm. um, and studying the content of this particular lesson really helped me see and it, it further emphasized the importance of properly understanding the nature mm -hmm. behind these prophecies yeah. that we are studying. Mm -hmm. And that's why I made an opening note here that we need to come to understand the very nature of these prophecies found not only in the book of Daniel, but throughout the entire Bible. Yeah. Right. And so we know that if we study the Bible appropriately and responsibly, we find that God uses a variety of approaches to communicate prophetic truth. And, mm. and it shouldn't surprise us because Hebrews chapter 1 verse 1 confirms this yeah. when it says, God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophets. So God uses a multitude of various ways yes. to communicate His Word and His prophecies. Mm -hmm. uh, and so what we find in this particular lesson is that um, in the scholarly world, in the theologian world, I guess you could say, mm -hmm. um, they have categorized these prophecies based on the content um, into two different categories. And so every prophecy in the Bible usually falls within one of these two categories. Categories, and that would be either the classical prophecies or that of apocalyptic prophecies. And so when we survey, and I like to refer to this as the First Testament, we know it as the Old Testament, but I have to give a disclaimer. As we're studying the book of Daniel, I have had many people, Pastor, I know Brother Kenny, all of us here have probably heard people say, well, that's, that's in the Old Testament. Mm. Daniel is an Old Testament book, so therefore, you know, we don't study the Old Testament because we're New Testament. Testament Christians. And, and I just want to just give a clear illustration here. Now, if you're braver than I am, and I actually saw uh, a minister give this uh, illustration once, uh, but if you're braver than I am, uh, you, you could just t go to the center of the Bible, not necessarily the exact center, but go find that little page right before it mm -hmm. says, where it says New Testament. Mm -hmm. and, and you can just completely remove that page from your Bible because that's not even inspired. Just want to let you know that. That is a publisher's edition. And what it does is it creates division. And of course, I'm not sacrilegious. So I'm 
I'm not going to tear papers out of my Bible. No. But, but that's why I've folded this because when we're serving the Bible and we're considering the prophecies from the what we call the Old and the New Testament, um, we just want to clearly communicate that it's the entire Word of God. Mm-hmm. There's a continual perpetual flow from the First Testament into the Second Testament, the Old into the New. And it's God's continual uh, Word throughout. And so Daniel is found in what we would call the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when we do, uh, when we survey this correctly, we find that uh, these, these, these prophecies fall into one of these two categories, either classical or apocalyptic. And so uh, Daniel, of course, uh, is the exception in most cases found in the Old Testament because when you study the Old Testament, most prophecies are found within the category of classical prophecies. Mm. And we're going to determine what the difference of that is just a moment. But Daniel is an exception in that the majority, if not all, of the prophecies found within fall into an apocalyptic category. Mm. And so I'm going to give you some of the differences between these right now. So depending on how you approach and categorize these prophecies will determine and how you interpret them. And we're going to talk a little bit about interpretation in just a moment. But some of the differences, so apocalyptic versus classical. So apocalyptic prophecies usually come in the form of visions and dreams. Mm. So almost in every case, God speaks to his messenger. He speaks to his prophet through visions and dreams, and he shows them very vivid um, pictures, uh, scenes that play forth in their mind. And then, of course, later on, they are to record and and write these things down so that you and I can receive them. Versus classical prophecies usually comes in the the form of the word of the Lord. Mm. And we're going to give an example of this in a moment. But you read multiple times throughout the Old Testament where the prophet says, the word of the Lord came to me or the word of the Lord was spoken to me. And so, and that doesn't mean that this cannot come in the form of visions because it does happen in rare occasions. But mostly there's a drastic difference there as apocalyptic prophecies come in the form of visions and dreams while the classical, of course, is just simply God speaking either audibly or through thought and impression to the prophet uh, himself. Mm -hmm. Now, also classical prophecies tend to be conditional. Well, Mm -hmm. this is vitally important. If you're reading a classical prophecy and you're considering it, it often is dependent on human response in the context of God's covenant with Israel. And Mm -hmm. so this is referencing the majority of the Old Testament uh, prophecies where we find that the majority of the classical prophecies are found within the context of this covenant with Israel in which it's dependent on some type of response Mm. from his people versus the apocalyptic prophecies are mostly unconditional and they rest upon God's foreknowledge Mm. and sovereignty and will happen regardless of human response. Mm -hmm. And so I just want to give kind of an example here as we consider, for instance, the the book of Jonah, the story of Jonah. Um, I, I was reading through Jonah and it's interesting that the very first opening line, verse one of Jonah chapter one, it says, now the word of the Lord came Mm. to Jonah. So there's (laughs) another example of that classical approach. The word of the Lord came to Jonah. Now it doesn't necessarily say how in in the sense, whether he heard it audibly, whether it was a thought or an impression. And it certainly doesn't say that he received it in a vision, but the word of the Lord came to Jonah. And of course this is repeated in Jonah chapter three, verses three through 10. I'm not going to read the entire passage, but notice the very context of this particular 
particular um, prophecy that Jonah is commanded to go deliver to the people at Nineveh. It says, so Jonah arose. This is verse 3. So Jonah chapter 3, verse 3. It says, so Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. So there it is again. Mm -hmm. Now Nineveh was an exceeding great city, a three-day journey in extent. And Jonah began to enter the city on the first day's walk. Then he cried aloud and said, notice, yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. Now it's interesting because the very, as you continue through and read through verse 10, we know that there is a response of the people. Yeah. And the fact mm -hmm. that God is simply declaring that, uh, that 40 days from now, this city is going to be destroyed. Mm -hmm. It's interesting that if there was not expectant of some type of human response, the Lord would just say, oh, I'm going to destroy the That's city right. now, regardless, yeah. kind of like Sodom and Gomorrah. But we find that God allows this time frame, this 40 days, because he's looking for a response. In other yeah. words, the outcome of this classical prophecy is dependent upon the response of yes. the people of Nineveh. And praise the Lord, they all were revived yes. and the city wasn't destroyed. Mm -hmm. uh, but in, in kind of contrast to that, let's consider Daniel chapter 7. Okay, so uh, given that God declared a specific time into the judgment communicates in Jonah's perspective the implicit condition of the prophecy which will be determined based on the response from the people of Nineveh. But when you consider Daniel chapter 7 or a prophecy like it, we find that, you know, Daniel's in vision, obviously. So you can read there in the opening verses of Daniel where he is in vision versus, of course, Jonah's experience was just the word of the Lord. But as Daniel was seeing very vividly in his mind these four beasts, uh, you also notice there's symbolism applied here. Mm -hmm. So in apocalyptic prophecies, there's heavy symbolism. God depends upon symbolism to communicate his will and his way and of course the future in this, in this case. Yeah. But if we consider verse 6 specifically, notice Daniel chapter 7 mm -hmm. verse 6. It says, After this I looked and there was another like a leopard which had on its back four wings of a bird. The beast also had four heads and dominion was given to it. Mm -hmm. And when you read the context of this passage here, this apocalyptic prophecy, there is no reference to any particular human response that would determine a different outcome. Mm -hmm. It is for sure. God has spoken it. His sovereignty reigns and he says this will happen Amen. because the Lord says it's going to happen just as the way he said it was going to happen. And so uh, I love what the lesson says here. Uh, there was a part I just wanted to highlight here. Uh, it says knowing about the broad prophetic genres such as classical and apocalyptic prophecies can be of great benefit. Mm -hmm. First these genres show that God uses a variety of approaches to communicate prophetic truth. Yes. Second, such knowledge helps us better appreciate the beauty and complexity of the Bible. And I so appreciate that. And then third, this knowledge also helps us to interpret biblical prophecies in ways that are consistent mm -hmm. with the testimony of the entire Bible yeah. and rightly explain the word of truth. My friends, we have to learn as 2 Timothy chapter 2 verse 15 states, to study to show ourselves approved, mm -hmm. a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Mm -hmm. And so it is vitally, vitally important that we grasp the very nature of what it is that we are studying, that we read and study within the context that God has determined. And I just want to say in closing here in my, 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 my last few moments, you know, growing up, I, I, I learned so much, but I was also confused in many aspects uh -huh. because of the vast difference of interpretation yes. that was flawed based on how people categorize mm. or, or approach the, the, the study of the word differently. Mm. If we simply allow God to tell us what God means, simply yes. allow his word to determine within the context of his own word how mm. we can interpret that. The Bible says there's no private interpretation. Mm. So we need to allow the word yeah. of God to speak for itself. And I trust 
the Lord more than I trust my own word, Pastor Lumber King. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Thank you. Amen. You know, I grew up in one of those New Testament churches. Yes. So, uh, you know, it's interesting to me because when Paul said that all scripture is God breathed, mm -hmm. the New Testament, I mean, the New Testament church, what scripture did they have? Mm -hmm. Old the Old Testament. Testament. Right. Right. <laughs> it's so now. funny. My day is Wednesday. Mm -hmm. And it is God's time scale. And I want to pick up on just uh, something and touch on this that you were talking about mm -hmm. classical prophecies mm -hmm. and apocalyptic prophecies. Mm -hmm. In classical prophecies, time is literal. Let me give you some examples. Mm -hmm. The seven years of plenty and famine. Mm -hmm. This mm -hmm. was a classical mm -hmm. prophecy in Genesis 41. The 400 years in Egypt from Exodus 12 and mm -hmm. verse 40, those are literal. The 70 years of Babylon captivity, Babylonian captivity that Jeremiah mm -hmm. referred to, time was literal. Mm -hmm. In apocalyptic prophecy, such as Daniel mm -hmm. and Revelation, mm -hmm. this is what we call eschatological. Mm -hmm. That's a big word to mean <laughs> end times, yes. right. yes. eschatological. And there, time, we apply a principle that we're going to look at that is a year for a day mm. principle. That's right. So that's just kind of mm -hmm. uh, dovetailing with yours. Let's look at the school of the schools. Yes. There's four primary schools of prophetic interpretation. There is historicism, mm -hmm. and then preterism, mm -hmm. futurism, and idealism. It is critical what school we belong to if you want to really understand. Mm -hmm. the, so I want to talk about how these kind of developed. It's interesting. Historicism, mm -hmm. which the Seventh-day Adventist Church as Christians, we follow historicism, which is what all of the, it was the perspective of the early church. Mm -hmm. It was what all of the Protestant reformers mm. followed yeah. was historicism. That is an interpretation of prophecy mm. that is related to church history. Mm -hmm. So they see the apocalyptic prophecy that God is revealing the events mm. In an unbroken sequence mm. of history mm. from the time of the prophet to the time mm. of the end. That's right. Now, as I said, Martin Luther, Calvin, Knox, mm. William Tyndale, all of these reformers followed the historicist method and they identified papal Rome the mm -hmm. Roman papacy right. mm -hmm. as the Antichrist power. Yeah. Now, why am I even bringing that up right now? Well, because when all of these reformers looked to the papal power and said, that's the Antichrist power, mm. what did the papal power do? They commissioned two Jesuit mm -hmm. priests mm -hmm. to go off and to come up with an idea, uh, an interpretation of prophecy mm -hmm. that would counter 
That's right. The Reformation. That's right. Mercy. Mm -hmm. So first we're going to look at preterism. This is one they, they actually yeah. came up, the two Jesuits priests came up with the idea of preterism and futurism. That's right. <laughs> so preterism, this was to counter the Reformation. Mm -hmm. This was the Jesuit priest, Luis de Alcazar. Mm -hmm. He said that prophesied events that Daniel announced mm -hmm. had already happened in the past. Mm -hmm. So that's it in a nutshell. That's preterism. And he says, mm -hmm. aha, if we go this way, then they can't say that the papacy is the Antichrist. Well, the one that has really grabbed hold in today's mm -hmm. uh, church, mm -hmm. Christian church, is futurism, which a Jesuit priest came up with this idea to counter the Reformation. His name was Francisco Ribera. And he proposed that the same time prophecies await a future fulfillment. But he did something really interesting. He goes in, and when we get to the 70-week prophecy, this will make sense. He goes in and he lops off the 70th week of the 69th week, mm -hmm. and he puts it way down at the end of time, mm -hmm. at the very end of time, yes. which then it wouldn't be the 70th week, would it? <laughs> but this will all make sense as we go, but this is where I was a futurist. Mm -hmm. Me too. I believed in a rapture. I believed mm. in, in all of these things before I learned this. Now, idealism came into being the 14th through the 17th century, they believed that the apocalyptic prophecies were symbols of general spiritual realities and they didn't have any specific historical reference that they, they weren't fulfilled literally or physically mm -hmm. in an earthly sense. Mm -hmm. it, in other words, no past, present, or future. Now, as we study the book of Daniel, we're going to see each major vision, Daniel 2, Daniel 7, Daniel 8, Daniel 11, repeats a historical outline from different perspectives. Mm -hmm. right. Each time it repeats, it's adding new details. That's right. Right. And that's what we call repeat and enlarge, and you'll mm -hmm. probably hear us say that several times. This is a pattern, repeat and enlarge. So what God is doing is he is revealing an unbroken sequence of time from the time of the prophet, clear till the time of the end, till Christ's second coming. Mm -hmm. And we're going to use the historic, uh, historical method of interpretation. Historicism has always held that days weeks and years in apocalyptic prophecy, when you're in that context, that it should be understood by applying a year mm -hmm. for a day principle. Mm -hmm. So these symbolic time periods within the context of apocalyptic passages are always found where symbols predominate. Let me give you an example. The symbolic flavor of time measurement. When you think of time, times, and yeah. half a time, mm -hmm. 
what? A time was a year. Right. Times meant two years. Right. A half a time was a half a year. Come on. Why not just say three and a half years? Mm-hmm. It's very symbolic. <laughs> but those, tw- if you look at a time, times, and half a times, mm-hmm. uh, based on a right. lunar year, that's 1260 days. And I have to say this. Mm. If when we, oh, stay with us. This is going to be such a marvelous study. But it is the time prophecies of Daniel that convinced Sir Isaac Newton, the great physicist, mm-hmm. to be a Christian. Wow. Yeah. He said, this, these time prophecies are so incredible, they had to be mm. given by an almighty God. So he believes scripture. So in prophetic language, a day usually represents a year. And let me give you two. I'm I'm talking too slowly. I see this. Numbers 1434 says, according to the number of the days in which you spied out the land, 40 days, for each day you shall bear your guilt one year, namely 40 years, and you shall know my rejection. Mm -hmm. So we also find the day for the year principle in Ezekiel 40. But here's what I wanted to point out. When we're looking in Daniel, Daniel 8, 14, for example, 2,300 days is 2,300 years. Mm -hmm. Daniel 9, 24 through 70, uh, 70 through 27, 70 weeks is 490 years. And it's, it's really easy to see because these visions are symbolic, their times are symbolic. Right. As the visions unfold, even to the end of time, this oh. is why we do this year for a day principle. It is confirmed mm. in the book of Daniel. And a clear example is the 70-week prophecy extended from the days of King Artaxerxes to the coming of Jesus the Messiah. Amen. Oh Amen. man, what a what a platform on which to build. You know, I, I thank each one of you now for yes. all that, that information. It's wonderful. I pray that you're you're being blessed at home and you're writing these things down and go back and study them. I have Thursday's lesson and the contemporary relevance of Daniel. You know, that's quite a mouthful you look at it. So if you don't mind, I will I heard repeat and enlarge. There we go. <laughs> I'm not sure I can enlarge on anything that was said, but I'm just thinking repeat. Because the book of Daniel, again, you, things are repeated and it's good sometimes to repeat. Oh, yeah. But we want to look at the book of Daniel, realize it was written, what, 2,500 years, over 2,500 year period. And it has a direct bearing and application to God's last day people. Mm-hmm. Certainly in the time of Daniel, certainly for us today, maybe even more so in my opinion where I want to maybe repeat and enlarge a little bit. Sister Jill mentioned three things, and I think in in this part of my lesson, it brought out three things that we need to look at very closely in which we study Daniel. And we can, we need all this information. Every bit that's there, we need every word that says, you know, proceeds out of the mouth of God. We need it here in these last days. Number one, we're reminded once again, I think she brought it very well, God stands sovereign over our lives. Amen. What does that mean? That's something that's simple, but many people don't understand that. That's right. And so I'm going to give you just a few Bible passages, jot them down rather quickly, give you just a line mm-hmm. of each one, because if we go read them all, we won't have time to do uh, some other things we want to do. Now, this is how acquainted with each individual on a very personal level, that's God with us. 
Psalms 94, 11 is beautiful. The Lord knoweth the thoughts of man. Yes. That's pretty personal, isn't it? Isaiah 66, 18. For I know their works and their thoughts. Jeremiah 29, 11. I know the thoughts that I think toward you. Realize there's a lot more there, but in what we're doing personal, what God is, is working with us. Luke 12, verse 7 says, But even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Mm -hmm. Again, what are we looking at? God stands sovereign. He knows everything about us, mm -hmm. all about the universe, but yet he cares about each one of us. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 5 says, God will bring to light the hidden things of darkness. I will make manifest the counsels of the heart. Notice, God stands sovereign, doesn't he, over our lives. Mm -hmm. James 5, 11, the Lord is very pitiful and tender. Notice this, mercy. One more passage, Psalms 147.3. He healeth, I love this, the brokenhearted, That's and right. he bindeth up their wounds. Praise God for that. I'm glad he does that. A little book called Steps to Christ. I love it. Everyone here has read it probably many, many times. Amen. I pray that you've been reading. If not, you need to get you one and read it. I just, I'm a real believer in it. Page 100 says this, the relationship between God, I like this relationship, between God and each soul are as distinct and full as though there were not another where, soul yes. <laughs> upon the earth. <laughs> what? For him to watch over. It's like it's so personal that he's watching us like there's no one else. Mm. Another soul. Example, I'll give you a quick example. Like uh, uh, Daniel in, in Babylon, you think about these, these here. The relationship was so personal that God had. Daniel, when he was in Babylon, did God forsake him? Absolutely not. Joseph in Egypt. You know, Esther, you know, in, in Persia. You look at all these three, three young Hebrews in the, in the fire. Now, these are a reminder that God has not left us in some of these mm -hmm. situations. He's right there with us. He'll go through it with us mm -hmm. and make sure we, you know, more than conquerors through Christ. Right. Point number two, God steers the course of history. Yes. He steers it. You know, God has written it out, has he not? And certainly he's, he's going to steer us through history. So central point, the book of Daniel, I heard it said, and I'll say it again, the central point of contact is what is Jesus Christ. There's no doubt about it. Mm -hmm. But notice how that God is in control. He's written the history of the world and he what? He steers, as it were, the flow of it as it goes forward. Education 173 makes this statement. In the word of God, notice this, the curtains are drawn aside. And we behold behind, above, and through all the play and counterplay of human interest and power and passions. The agencies of all merciful one, we know that's Jesus, right? God, silently and he patiently working out the counsels of his own mind. Right. God is going to have, you know, is the book of Daniel, is it really relevant today? Of course. Do we need it today? Every, no, absolutely we need it because it's pointing out that God's in control. So we're worried about elections. We're worried about who's in office. We're worried about putting this one, that one, so on. When God says, I, I put them up there and I, and I take them down. That's right. Job chapter nine, verse four, speaking of God, it says, he is wise in the heart and mighty, notice this, in strength. Hmm. That's just an encouragement as we look because to me the book of Daniel brings all of these things out to us that by faith we reach out and grab because we live, in my opinion, in a time where we need heart, as it were. We need to be wise in heart. Amen. We need strength that's not within us. We need it from up above and to come inside of us. Job chapter 9, verses 7 and, and 8 and 10 bring this out. It's talking about God. He commandeth, notice this, the sun, and it riseth not. 
He sealeth up the stars, verse 8, which alone spreadeth out the heavens and treadeth upon the ways of the sea, verse 10, which doeth great things past finding out, yea, and wonders without number. Mm -hmm. All this is doing is talking about, we study Daniel, is this coming into our mind? We need this relationship with Jesus Christ. We need to know because we're going to read some things and study in here that's going to be some, some very tough time come upon this world. That's right. And we cannot make it without the Holy Spirit that's of God. Right. We cannot Amen. make it without the power and strength of the Holy Spirit. And we need it, I believe, so that we can give this message to the world mm -hmm. in a way that it needs to be given. Right, to wake right. everybody up Amen. for the coming of the Lord. Amen. It's going to be a time of trouble that has not was since the time of the earth. That's all this is coming up in these studies. So God still reminds us in the book of Daniel over and over, I'm still overseeing. Amen. I like an overseer. I don't, I don't mind an overseer. You know, sometimes they see a little different than you do. It might be a little issue, but mm -hmm. we, we've got an overseer that has our best interest That's right. at heart. He knows and he, a lot more than we do. He knows a whole <laughs> lot more. We say with the, the beginning from the end, so he understands it if we just trust yeah. in him. There's none like him. He's our sovereign God, the book of Daniel brings out over and over. Again, he's steering the course of history because mm -hmm. he's been written by the Holy Spirit. Uh, like it was in Job, remember chapter 38? Job was having some issues. Sometimes we have some issues. And uh, he began to challenge God, I think, in, in a way. And finally, God just comes back to him in Job 38, verse 4. He says, where were you when I laid the foundation of this earth or the world? And then he, then he challenged him to this point. Declare if you have understanding. Have you ever done that, someone? You'll say something and say, now, you, what, you know, what's your reason? Why are you taking this position? God said, if you have understanding on this, let me know. And uh, I would say that Job was silent. <laughs> you know, and then God went into a lot of different things. Point number three, God provides a role model. In the book of Daniel, God provides role models for his end time people. And in this quarter, and certainly Daniel, uh, he's going to reveal. God has raised what men and women these last days to fulfill, to be role models that we need to be in the cause of Christ. And certainly in Daniel, mm -hmm. there's role models. You know, in a time and a place where society had views so different in Daniel's day, right? So different mm -hmm. that you, 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 remember the song said, dare to be a Daniel. You know, yeah. Do we dare to be that today? Mm -hmm. And it's just, you know, it's just like it is today. There's no doubt about it. But in spite of all this test and all of these trials, think of with me just for a moment. God's faithful men and women, they remain true to him. Regardless of the consequences, regardless of what happened to them, they were committed, they were empowered by the mm -hmm. grace of God, and they stood the test. They were role models for us. And when I read yeah. the Word of God, I love those role models. I realize there's many of them who became role models, mm -hmm. but at the time they maybe fell short, but I learned from that too, That's right. you know, not to follow in that. So I praise God for that. Sake of the gospel, certainly we need to have courage mm -hmm. and we need to persevere because we too have a message to give to the world. That's right. You know, of course, our, our, the main natural, the natural, uh, we're looking at the perfect role model is none other than Jesus Christ. Right. But we look at three <laughs> Hebrews, we look at Daniel, we look at all these here. Man, what role models in the face of death, man, they just stood up and said, this is the way it is. They live by principle. They didn't live by feeling and emotion and all the other things. They just live by faith in God. That's it's right. been mentioned here. The word of God said, and they said, by the grace of God, this we will do. That's right. We need that today, I believe, Amen. in our society Amen. that we live in and in our church. Amen. But Jesus Christ is the one where it says there in John 12, um, was it 12 um, 32? It says, if I be lifted up, mm -hmm. will draw all men unto me. And I think in the book of Daniel, we're going to see that Jesus, God, he's lifted high 
mm. for us to see because he is our role model That's right. and he does choose and he equips and he empowers men and women to be able to do what he's asked them to mm. do. So I think we kind of live in times just like that. I can look mm. at the illustration and say, mm -hmm. you know, are we not living in those times right now mm -hmm. that God's looking for that kind of people? We behold in the glass the glory of the Lord and we're changed into his what? His same image there in 2 Corinthians 3.18. Mm -hmm. And so I would say today that the book of Daniel has a direct impact on us today. Certainly then, but on us today. And we need to be reading and studying these books like never before mm -hmm. because I believe that Jesus is coming. That's right. And this will help us to prepare for his soon coming. Mm -hmm. God bless Amen. you. Amen. Thank you so much, each one of you. I love this first lesson because what we're doing is laying foundation mm -hmm. for the rest of the quarter, mm -hmm. studying those prophecies and interpretation because that's important as we dive into the book of Daniel. Amen. I want to give each one of you a moment to share about your day or something else about the lesson. Pastor John. Well, the major purpose of prophecy is not what we believe, mm but who is revealed. Mm. Right. John 13, 39, Jesus said, Now I tell you before it comes, that when it does come to pass, mm. you may believe that I am He. Mm -hmm. Amen. It's not just what we believe, but who prophecy reveals. That's right. Amen. Uh, Jill, I think you said it best. You know, it's great to have a foundation to establish a foundation. And I think most Christians today, regardless of interpretation, denomination, most Christians today, I believe, would agree that we're living during the time of Revelation, the book of Revelation. Yes. Right. But you know, um, before we can understand the book of Revelation, we have to understand the book of Daniel. Mm. And, uh, you know, I just want to encourage my brothers and sisters at home who are watching this that to tune in each week to this study because we're going to be studying things that Daniel wrote about that speaks about the times that we're living in. And, uh, you know, the Bible says to study to show yourself approved rightly dividing the word of truth. Amen. You just Amen. changed what I was going to say. <laughs> I just have to add to that is that you're right. Mm -hmm. I used to pray uh, growing up in a um, church that did not study the Old Testament. Mm -hmm. We were also told not to study Revelation. Mm -hmm. And then I would look and see that it says, blessed are you if you're studying Ooh, this and reading right. it. And I thought, so I started studying it on my own and mm -hmm. I couldn't, I had all of these books on prophecy and nothing made sense. The bottom line is, it is not until you understand mm -hmm. that what John 280 scriptures of Revelation are from the Old Testament. 276. 276. A lot of them are from mm -hmm. Daniel. You got to understand Daniel to understand Revelation. That's right. Amen. Praise the Lord. Just a quick thought here. It says, men will learn. This is taken from letter 201, 1899. A couple of words. Men will learn the cross of Calvary is the great center. And Amen. we'll learn that as we study Daniel. Mm. Amen. Thank you so much for opening up the Word of God to us. And we're so grateful that you have joined us at home as well. I want to leave with you a scripture from the New Testament. This is 2 Peter 3, verse 21. For prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. Amen. And that's what we find in the book of Daniel, a man whose life was committed to the Lord Jesus Christ, right. who served him with all his heart and in humility of heart, but who God worked through to reveal what was coming in the future. Amen. Join us next week from Jerusalem to Babylon, Daniel chapter 1.